Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One day last week, I uh, went up to Pennsylvania to visit my mother, uh, who, Lord willing, will turn 92 later this fall. And the first thing she told me when I saw her was, you look great. (laughs) The second thing she told me was, I can't see very well. I don't think that goes together. (laughs) Maybe you. Anyway, uh, I don't know if the uh, name Danielle Strickland uh, means anything to any of you, uh, but she is a somewhat well-known Canadian woman who describes herself as a rebellious child to the point where she quotes her own mother as saying, the only thing I was ever really good at was being bad. And sure enough, by the time she became a teenager, Danielle Strickland was pretty bad. She was running around with the wrong crowd, which led to the estrangement between her and her mother and then her father, which led to drug abuse, which led to crime, which led to prison, all before the ripe old age of 21. With respect to her religion, Danielle Strickland actually grew up in a... uh, very committed Christian home, although uh, she said she saw God mostly as her killjoy, who was trying to take her fun away. And in fact, you can understand why she was finally locked up. She actually blamed God for her incarceration and said, okay, God, where are you now? You can also understand uh, why uh, Danielle wasn't very happy when she got a visit in prison one day from a woman who represented, of all things, the Salvation Army complete in the famous blue uniform and the hat and the popular red insignia. And she thought to herself, well, here comes the lecture, when all I really wanted was a cigarette. Well, she obviously didn't get a cigarette from the Salvation Army, because they don't give them out. But to her surprise, she didn't get a lecture either. What she got, she said, was the unconditional love of Jesus. Not for the first time in her life, but for the first time that she actually recognized it uh, for what it really was in the form of this very unlikely person who she said gave me a hug that I didn't even return and just told me that she loved me. And in that moment she said, Jesus showed up of all things. And for the first time in my life, I somehow realized that God was actually for me and that he wasn't my killjoy. And it changed my life. And I realized what kind of prison I was really in. And with that, the restoration of a young Canadian woman named Danielle Strickland got underway. Well, the five and a half verses uh, that you heard a few moments ago from the prophecy of Isaiah are really about the restoration of some people who are really bad at being good or really good at being bad. That's it. They're the people of this ancient little kingdom known as Judah, which actually included the great and holy city of Jerusalem and also the little town of Bethlehem, where Jesus would be born hundreds of years later. And yet, in spite of the fact that they grew up in this very religious context, they were living on the holiest place in the face of the earth, the people of Judah started wandering away from God. 
they became estranged and they started hanging out with pagan deities and, and they were living for themselves and they got into these very shady relationships with political leaders of foreign lands that were everything but godly. And that's when Isaiah gets onto the scene and he, he says, you know, if you keep this up, you're going to be estranged from God. You're going to end up in prison. And sure enough, there came a day when the forces of the mean old Babylonian empire saw the political and religious instability of Judah, they put it on their hit list, they came down from the north, invaded the kingdom, sacked the city, and took tens of thousands of its people into a forced deportation back in Babylon for 70 years in a nation-shattering, religion-crushing blow right to the kisser, which left them asking, hey, Yahweh, where are you now? That's the kind of prison they were in. This time was known as the Babylonian captivity, and it's the context for scriptures that you may not always understand, like Psalm 137, which says, by the rivers of Babylon, we got up and we wept. For how can you sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? On the other hand, while Isaiah, like any good prophet, was known for his lectures and warnings and his calls to repentance, he was also known more than any other prophet for pointing people to the mercy of God. And to the readiness of God to free people and to restore their lives in whatever kind of prison they might have found themselves. Isaiah, as you may know, is the one who was anointed to proclaim freedom to the captives. This is the guy who gives us all those beautiful prophecies of the coming of Christ. So that when you listen to Handel's Messiah about four months from now, you're going to be listening to the words of Isaiah who is quoted more than any other prophet in the Old Testament in the pages of the New Testament, whose book is actually called by scholars of the Bible the fifth gospel, or the good news according to Isaiah, which is kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. And even though he did issue his share of warnings to stay away from prison like any good prophet, like any good pastor, like any good parent or friend would do, he also makes it crystal clear to them that God would never abandon them. He would never leave them. He'd never turn their backs on him, his back on them. And he would one day bring them back home to the land of Judah. And when they did get back there, by the grace of God, they rebuilt their ruined city. They restored the streets. They repaired the breach. And they lived by the grace of the one who was repairing and rebuilding and restoring their lives. And what you have in these five and a half verses from the prophecy of Isaiah is God's call and plan and instruction for the restoration of human lives. And two fundamental things that those people did that you and I can do as those who are also restored by the presence and grace and mercy of God. And the first is that they worshiped him and they praised him and honored him with their time above all else and, and moved everything away that interfered with that process. I mean, look at what he says uh, there in verse 13. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath... 
from pursuing your own interests on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord. You want to be a happy person? There's the formula right there. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Peoples whose lives have been restored by God give God the glory with their worship and their praise, and they entrust their life to him. So that the Sabbath isn't just a day off. It's a time to say to God, this life all belongs to you. And then the second thing they do is that they serve God by serving others. Now from verse 10. If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. Notice that he doesn't say their light. He says your light. He's talking about what serving others will do for you and not just for them. The Lord will guide you continually and you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water. He's talking to people who lived in the desert about water, whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins will be rebuilt. You're going to come back from Babylon and you're going to make all things new again. You're going to rebuild your city and your temple and you will raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to live in. When God breaks into prisons and he restores the lives of the children he loves, those children respond by honoring him with their praise and with their time and by serving God, by serving others for the glory of God so that everybody together would delight in the Lord. And so, you know, if you ever find yourself kind of drifting away from God, living for yourself, you know, running around uh, with wrong people in the wrong places, and you know in your heart that that's what you're doing. Or if you come to a place of estrangement or of loss in your life, and, you, and, and you're asking that question, you know, hey, God, where, where are you now? Or you come to a, a moment of brokenness or vulnerability that you caused, or maybe somebody else caused to come upon you, or you just feel like, you know, the only thing you're really good at is being bad, and you see God as your killjoy. I would point you to the testimony of Danielle Strickland, which I saw in an interview uh, rather recently in which she said, and I quote, I believed a lie. And the lie is that rebellion would lead to freedom. When what I learned in my own experience is that rebellion leads to prison. And that the road of freedom is the one on which we walk with the God who loves us and serve the God who serves us and praise the one who alone is worthy of our worship because true to Isaiah's prophecy, the Messiah has come in Jesus Christ to set us free, to restore our lives, to make all things new, to be the center of your joy and to make you ride on the heights of the earth.
Danielle Strickland's life was restored right there in her prison when God used somebody to break in so that she could break out. You know what she's doing today? Get this. Danielle Strickland is a major in the Salvation Army. (laughs) She is the uh, social ministry secretary for the western half of the United States of America, working primarily in the area of human trafficking and ministries of restoration for the glory of Jesus Christ, her Savior, her liberator, the one who set her free. The title of her book, in case you're interested, is A Beautiful Mess. Because of the way that God used her rebellion, her failure, her sin, her mistakes, to restore her life and use it to restore the lives of others in the name and for the glory of God who she says came into her life and warmed me up and brought me back to life again. One other thing before I wrap this up. You may know that the uh, dictionary's meaning of the word restoration has to do with returning something to its original condition. I need to tell you, that is not how the Bible understands that word. Because throughout Holy Scripture... When God's word speaks of restoration, it speaks about getting back more than was ever taken away. So that when your life is restored by God's love for you, it's actually better. It's better than it's ever been before. And so that young Canadian woman, she didn't just, you know, get out of prison. She didn't just get clean and sober. She became a person who captured a higher purpose for her life as one who would worship God and honor him with her time and serve God by serving others, by rebuilding the streets, by repairing the breach, by restoring the community so that others might know and take delight in the Lord. So, you know, I don't know where you're going to plug yourself into this, you know, passage and the story of Judah and its disobedience and its rebellion and its restoration and its response. But there are three things I'd like you to consider doing. One is just be on the lookout for some unlikely person who just might walk into your life someday and embody to you the unconditional love of Jesus Christ in a moment, in a place where you least expect it and then dare to believe that God himself is in that moment because when you do, it will change your life. Second, I would encourage you to be on the lookout for every chance that you have to be the person who walks into, you know, one of the many different kinds of prisons there are that people live in in this world and somehow, way, bring them the good news of Christ to people who really, really don't get the truth that God is actually for them and that he's not our killjoy. And last but far from least, I would encourage you to try to stay out of jail. <laughs> but above all, to remember that wherever you go, 
wherever you are, however good you are at being bad, Christ is for you. And he's come into your life to set you free, to restore you in every way that a person can be stored, be restored, and to lead you back home to him and to a life that's just better than ever before. And so, you know, God help you to honor him with your worship and your praise and your time and to serve him by serving other people for their delight and for your delight as well. As we do the good work of rebuilding the cities and restoring broken lives in thanksgiving to the one whose cross repaired the breach between our broken lives and the presence of God here in time and for all eternity. Because guess what? The deed's been done. Your life is restored in the perfect, unconditional love of Jesus. And it really can be better than ever before. Because in him and in the shadow of his cross, you look great. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.